Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after-party for people who need just a little bit more. We're two friends, Jason and Steph, and we aren't quite ready to sleep on all things pop culture. Welcome to Kick-Ons, because the party's not over. The night is young, no we're not done. Party back at ours, everybody's welcome to the kick-ons. You're welcome. Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after-party for people who want just a little more. Jason, we have a very exciting guest today. Literally, (laughs) my heart could not be fuller right now. I love this person more than I love the fact that I get to listen to CDs in my car every day. (laughs) That is massive. I love CDs. (laughs) You've actually heard us talk about her on here before, and she's potentially slash definitely one of the reasons that we even, like, did this. Yeah. I see Lady Gaga was my mother. This is my sister. And fun fact, we've literally been to many a kick-on with this person. The reason that kick-on... We were introduced to many things <laughs> yeah, by this person. Yeah. Not just kick-ons. Tan. Tan. Um, Bondi Rescue. Yeah, <laughs> most importantly, Was, Bondi Rescue. <laughs> and just, like, what it means to um, run up to someone and scream beautiful things in their face and have it screamed back at you and, <laughs> and how good that feels yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing okay so our guest today burst onto the australian theater scene when she starred in the hayes theater production of the heathers in 2015 since then she's gone on to star as the lead in we will rock you american idiot American Psycho, and was recently cast in Dolly Parton's role in the Australian premiere of 9 to 5. She sang the national anthem at the State of Origin, had a recurring role on Home and Away, and most importantly, she's our bestie. Please welcome to Kick-Ons, Erin Clare. Welcome to Kick-Ons, Erin. Kia <laughs> I know that's so important. Erin Clear loves New Zealand. Honorary yeah. New Zealander, Jacinta, if you're listening, we've got someone. We need to bring someone into the country. Yeah, please. I'm, that trans Tasman bubble. Honestly, I know I don't need dual citizenship. I would just like it. I feel like I want it to reflect yeah. how I feel in my heart because I feel in my heart like I'm a Kiwi. Honestly, yeah. I mean, the only thing that's stopping you from full citizenship is Bondi. Yeah, your love of Bondi. Your love of Bondi. That's a deep love. That is. That is so good. It looks very sunny and gorgeous where you are in Sydney today. I mean, again, you guys don't want to get me talking about weather because I love weather, we all know. But yeah, I love weather too. Sydney is just, and this is why there's a big, you know, there's always people from Melbourne and people from Sydney are always worrying, but like, Honestly, like, Sydney is just gorgeous all the time. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah. So the weather. Is the weather app in your top five apps? Guys, yes. And I've got got Wellington in there. And it's not because I want to feel better than you. But, like, I I do, like, I just check, like, oh, is it sunny in Wellington? I'm like, oh, yes, it is. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's like, oh, still windy. No yeah. wind is still windy. Those winds. <laughs> Those winds. I just want to like give a, like a moment of silence for the weather app because I love it so much. I love it too. It changes my day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, it really does. No, 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 no. no that was good. It was a, lit- a figurative moment of silence. Yeah. yeah. And um, I took it literally. Yeah. <laughs> keep up, keep up. So we're going to break down some pop culture happenings right now with Erin and talk a bit about her and just like have the best time and we give like a little backstory on how we even got Erin here right now so Erin is like one of the loves of my life um and I'm lucky our lives our lives (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah loves of our lives and I just want to talk about um how we became friends please because I remembered it one way and then I re- then Erin reminded me that it actually happened a different way. So the way I remember it was that we were at a Mardi Gras event and you can I say ran it. up to it her and she was on the phone to her then boyfriend. It was a rave. It, it was, was a rave. rave. We were it at was a, a rave that was, party. About, that was about to be shut down by the cops. I think that's, yeah, worth mentioning. Yeah, legit. <laughs> and... Uh, I ran up to her and was just like, oh, my God, you're so hot. You're so beautiful. I love you so much. Oh, my God, is this real? Is this real? Is this real? Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I'm on the phone. And then I grabbed the phone off you and was like, you need to understand how hot your girlfriend is. You don't even know. Which is great and amazing. And then we ended up spending the whole entire night together and then most of the next day um, and to this day and most of the next five years, to be honest. Um, But I'd actually met you in October at a Halloween party. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Where I was dressed as a slutty ghost and you were dressed as a An slutty Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, no. No, not a, that was a different Halloween. <laughs> the next the next not year an anal fissure I was that time. as an anal fissure. Um yeah, ROP, ROP. Um no, I was dressed as slutty Wednesday Adams and my little sister that I brought to the party who knew no one was dressed as ne- Oh no, she was dressed as Wednesday Adams, so normal Wednesday and I was dressed as next Wednesday, so the slutty version. Yeah, it was oh, like a two nice. part. Who bought the bag of vomit? That was, Wasn't there a um, bag of vomit? That was another year, <laughs> and I was oh. Misha Barton, and my boyfriend was Misha Barton's vomit. <laughs> Listen, I love yes. a, a gag Halloween costume party, don't I? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's part of our friendship yeah. as well. But I'd actually run up to you at that Halloween party and said, you're a slut, I'm a slut, we're both sluts, and that was our first interaction ever. Wow. Yeah. And it couldn't have been more telling. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we didn't even know at the time that I was a slut. That came later. <laughs> I, I had no idea <laughs> and now here we are um and we've created the, the most yeah. slutty of friendships yeah. <laughs> the which brings Amazing. me to what was your life of the party this week Erin? my life of the party so i have been obviously quarantined i mean listen i listened to basically like four i worked it out um about like four podcasts a day so i'm heavily in the podcasting <laughs> space but um it was uh, a suggestion was made to me that i would really like um a podcast that lena dunham um and her friend Alyssa bennett uh it's called the c word 
I don't know if you've heard of it, Steph. I feel like you're all over this kind of stuff, but maybe if you haven't, um, it's basically like a historical deep dive into the life of women in society that have been called mad or crazy. So the C word. And um, they basically just like deep dive into the media portrayal of these women. And it's just for this time and for, I think my dirt feminist agenda, I feel like it's, it's really incredible to watch, um, how these like beautifully kind of eccentric or brilliant women have been dismissed in society by just being called crazy. And actually, if you look at their achievements or you look at what kind of drove them, it's so much more complex. And I think it's a really amazing comment on the way that women are portrayed, you know, in society. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That makes me think of like the Salem witch hunt. Like I wish you could go back and be like, what, like, what were they even saying? Yeah. Like, I wonder what they were actually saying that these men were just like, the witches burn them. Like they were probably just trying to stand up for themselves. Or even, I mean, yeah, just like, I mean, they might have had, I don't know, their period and that, but they're hysterical. Yeah. You know, hysterical females. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, we need to listen to that. Yeah. Who, who are some of the people that I've talked about? Uh, Judy Garland, um, Sean Young. Oh. You know, she was um, the chicken blade runner who just made a name for herself. Oh, there's uh, Casey Casey Johnson. She was the heiress of the Johnson & Johnson fortune who died at 30 and oh. she had this crazy life. Um, Miranda uh Gravener, I think it's it's it, they're fascinating cases, and it's all yeah. Some of them were socialites, some of them were actresses, but all were just kind of either battling mental health staff or were just unapologetic mm. about their place in the world. It's, it's how they really feel. interesting, yeah. and it's also I think um really interesting to note the parallels between because obviously Lena Dunham has been called crazy her entire career yeah is yeah really i mean she's eccentric for sure she's she's also really really smart really talented she's done a lot of uh, super articulate as well she is exactly Mm. and that's the thing i think um it's a really it's really important for us to really break down how how we dismiss um the female voice a lot I, th- I think it's totally. Yeah. Have you found personally uh, working in theatre and uh, that that is something that's happened for you? Oh. Like you feel dismissed? Like what's the, what's the male domination like in your field of work? Look, I think, I think it's, it's very, it's very multi-laid and it is, it is getting better. I feel like, you know, if you've got a female producer, that really helps. I know, I know, um, the executive producer on, um, on nine to five, Suzanne Jones, I just, I like, I really admire her. She's, she's such a great force to have in, in a, in a room, but I feel like the whole, the whole, oh, this girl's crazy. That gets thrown, thrown around a lot. I mean, everywhere, mm. but I mean, even uh, my nickname when I was doing Heather, so this was really, really early, I got nicknamed Jats Crackers, which is like a kind of colloquialism for um, calling someone like a bit crazy, a bit kooky, um, which I was, look, I'm 
I'm fine. I'm fine with because I know it wasn't meant maliciously, but it definitely when I started being more myself and showing the different facets of my personality that I because I was very quiet when I started out. I was I really really felt like I wouldn't be understood. Um, so I kind of yeah. Well, you were living with us at that time, and I remember you coming home and like being a shell yeah mm. oh I, because, I was yeah you were just holding it in all day I just because I didn't feel like I had my my people yet and or I and also yeah. a lot of it was actually not being confident enough that like I am really I'm I'm really intelligent I'm I'm quite kooky I've actually kind of made a career out of being kooky which is which is kind of funny now in retrospect but at the time I was so scared for people to know who I actually am, which is like a bit weird and a bit funny and, you know, all those kinds of things because I thought I would be accepted. Mm. And it was actually the person who gave me this nickname, Trevor Ashley, who I love dearly, it was actually... Shout out. Uh, yeah, shout out. Um, it, <laughs> he actually was really, really um, important in that journey because he basically... I I'm really really shit in rehearsals like I love to I can I can book a job by being quite bold in an audition room but once you once I have the job I I used to spend the entire rehearsal process thinking oh my god the panel hates me they regret I'm the weakest link blah 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 and Mm. Trevor just kind of he just kind of left me to my own devices to kind of flounder around and be a bit shit um because he kind of really trusted, like, I know that she knows what she's doing and I'm not going to really interfere with that. And when I, when I was in front of an audience and when I started making the choices that kind of led me to where I am, like it was, it was just the, it just reinforced that like who I am was kind of, I should play into that. Exactly. Yeah. And so. And um, we were lucky enough to see the Heathers. Um, We we were still living. If you love musicals and you haven't listened to the Heathers, it's my my favorite musical. Oh, do you know what? You can actually go on YouTube and there's like a GMA. Oh, no, wait. Is that like a sunrise? What's it called in Australia? Uh, The The sunrise. Yeah, it's on Channel 7. Yeah, the morning show. There's of Erin like singing. We'll link it somewhere. Yeah. Um, Because I don't think there's an actual um, bootleg copy. If there is, Trevor Ashley sent it our way. Erin's role, she was one of the Heathers, um, and Heather McMurrah. Yeah. Yeah. And she, in the musical, she has a really important role, but it's, um, I guess, kind of like smaller in lines or whatever than the other Heathers. But Uh, Erin made that role so incredibly memorable she mm. was she was hilarious and I think this is kind of you as well you're hilarious but you're also like super in touch with your emotions and um you sang the song lifeboat yeah and it's literally like the the heart melting like I'm I, everything I, I got tingles yeah. like thinking about you singing it and uh, thank you to Trevor Ashley for like letting you go all over the show to like end up there. Well, a character has to have like moments so it is nuanced so that when you do get to that crazy moment when she sings Lifeboat, yeah. it like means so much more. Erin Claire is an actress who knows how to layer a character. Well, like, <laughs> also, there's like this um, like uh, misconception that performers and things are just like not that intelligent and, you know, don't really know much. They're just there to do a show. And I think yeah. that how intelligent 
actors and performers are needs to be more like talked about because how can you even you need to know everything to be able to bring that to the performance exactly is that something that you like for Heather, Heather McNamara for example did you do a heap of research and bring that to the character or was it more just you letting go and being yourself that's a really good question. Um, I feel, I feel like it's it's interesting. I, mm, okay, so from my perspective, I think a lot of the reasons why I've been able to book jobs or that I've thrown myself character wise into kind of creating these things, and I, I get it's it already makes me feel so uncomfortable speaking about it like this, um, but. Um, I've just got to lean into this uh, 11 It's okay, we're wine. at kick-ons, yeah. so yeah. the, the DMs get yeah. real at kick-ons. Um, oh, but again, even, I, I hate that I'm even, um, I, it, it, it is such a female quality to apologise for then, you know, talking about something that you've really worked on, so I really want to just, like, rewind on that one. Yeah. Um, but I feel like a lot of the reason why, uh, the reason why I've kind of been successful is because of the way that my brain works. I think that um, being emotionally intelligent is the entry point for me and definitely imagination. I, I'm not someone who really agrees with the whole sense memory thing because I feel like it, it's unreliable. Um, I feel like if you spend a lot of time trying to re- relay a character's experience to your own, it can get quite um, convoluted and, and I think the best thing about acting and the reason why performers love it so much and why audiences get on board and the suspension of disbelief is literally because you can live and create an imaginary life around some around someone and tell a story that's not yours. And the more detailed I feel like my my prep is, so the more kind of uh, stuff that I know about the world or that I have like decided like in my kooky way that like, oh, this character also just really loves velvet or, you know, like something like that. I feel like mm. I can live more in that space and it's, it's, it's actually more far removed from myself. I will say that for Heather Mack, where I was at the time, um, and the way that Lifeboat um, uh, kind of happens in the show, I actually did kind of just use what was the most accessible thing at the time, which was feeling really alone and feeling really misunderstood. And that actually really helped mm. jet jet that along because I was just like, I feel like a piece of shit. And this song is about mm. feeling like a piece of shit. And I just did. I was just, I was so quiet and uh, I just wasn't, I just wasn't myself. Yeah. How long do you feel like it took from that point to when you found your people and you felt comfortable when you turned up, well, not necessarily turned up to those auditions because I feel like you're never going to feel comfortable going into an audition, but just to be in a room of people in the industry and feel like, I got this. Or do you still have that imposter syndrome that even like the most rewarded celebrities and actors still feel like I don't I shouldn't be here like who am I if you think I should be here if you speak to any creatives and this is something that just resonates and it must be um it must I mean it's the reason why we keep doing this or throw our throw our whole lives into um a space that there is no guarantees and it's really risky and I think it is that um that just need need 
to understand yourself. And I think, I think the whole imposter syndrome, like any, any podcast you listen to where someone's created, they talk about the biggest fear is usually people figuring like you just spend your whole time no matter where you are in your career I've explained this to my to my sister who's an actor as well it's just you never ever feel like oh yeah I've got it I've you know it's it's always that that great fear of I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm really scared that everyone's gonna figure it out and um Mm. and that's constant and you know, auditions are, are a fresh hell of some kind of satanic making because no one is themselves. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm really, really quiet and I prefer to kind of be off in my own, you know, um, cloud of self doubt and, and stay away from people. And that could seem, um, really, um, uh, standoffish, I guess, but it's more like I, I, I feel like if you're not talking about something real, if you can't represent yourself in a real way, what's the point? And obviously you're in mm. a, you're in a space where everyone's just really jacked up on nerves. And, you know, the, the way I kind of was able to get my head around auditions and be able to function in an audition space and, and, um, be able to rep myself, represent myself in the way that I want to was always just, I am running my own race and I am against the best and the worst version of myself and no one else because you have no control over if they want someone tall or blonde or, you know, you have no control really over casting at all and all you have to do is represent yourself the best way possible. And it is really freeing to think it's not always the most talented people that get the jobs. It's whoever is suited to that role at that time and I feel like that's really freeing because it means you're you're all so talented you're talented you're talented and knowing knowing that everyone it's not a comment on you it's not a comment on your talent or your skill set it's just like it wasn't part of your journey at the same time and I feel like people really um people really undo themselves if they get into the comparison game and start going, this person's yeah. not very good and I deserve this. That's the death. That's when you should give that. That's when you should just take a breather. Yeah. In all scenarios in Jealousy life. is so ugly as well. Yeah. And that's really like what that is fueled by where I can just picture uh, all these girls sitting in a room looking at each other being like I don't have that or you don't have that or whatever yeah. and it's just like it's ugly and it's um it's not uh productive, productive. yeah well, most- girls do that to themselves anyway so um, imagine doing that to you over to yourself twice but it's most of the time like- as well if we're if we're um you know speaking generally like most of the time it's not even uh, it's definitely not even sitting there going, this person's shit. It's most of the time you putting your own voice into someone else going, oh, God, I'm not. I'm I'm not as beautiful as that girl. Or, oh, God, I can't kick my leg as high as that girl. Oh, God, I'm worthless. It's a lot of the time just reflections and mirrors of your own insecurities. It's usually, it usually has nothing to do with, with other people. Well, hopefully not, anyway, in my case, I guess. Yeah, yeah no, you're, yeah. So, you're so right. Well, that's the thing. That's always the, the you putting your voice because you don't actually know yeah you actually don't know what other people think about you because no. um, that's none of your business exactly. to be honest. No, and I nine times that. out of ten they're not yeah yeah like 
humans are so selfish in nature that nine times out of ten they're not thinking about you they are thinking about themselves at all times except um us who are constantly thinking about you yeah that's so good well do you want to tell us what your peak too soon was this week guys let's talk about this let's get into it okay so um let's talk about jk rowling um i I mean she who should not be named honestly she has just proven to us that the k stands for karen um and it's really sad (laughs) (laughs) because i will tell you like straight up i am a huge fan of harry potter like i love it i love it i have i roll around every single day of my life with a harry potter satchel bag and a slytherin water bottle don't hate me you know me me and steph used to live with erin in sydney that's where we met and um when i moved to melbourne steph moved back to new zealand and as a gift um which had been gifted to erin erin gave me like this little brooch or this necklace that was like a deathly hallows <laughs> a horcrux a horcrux <laughs> she gave me a horcrux as a gift which I've, I've still got to this day oh like God. that's how much she loves the world of harry potter i literally do so i basically spent the five years out of high school like rereading the series because i wasn't ready to read anything else like so i just would pick one yeah. series and reread it so yeah so jk rowling as I've learned when I was doing my homework, um, what has been <laughs> yeah. problematic for a while, um, apparently. And, um, yeah. yeah, which is so unfortunate. Um, but also, you know, it's it's been really great. I think it's unified. The stars of Harry Potter have all come out against um, her comments because it, basically it's a lot of comments about trans women and um basically she's just kind of she's been problematic for a while on twitter writing things about how trans women aren't real women or as a way to kind of recognize trans people um and how how that is somehow going to impact on her femininity or her gender or her yeah so she's a yeah, she's a um a radical feminist. People have, on Twitter have been calling her a turf, which is trans exclusionary radical feminist. And yeah. so her what she has been saying and it's not the first time she's said this is yeah, essentially like I'm a feminist, I'm a woman, you're not women. Yeah, and it did start um with the whole bathroom conversation that was happening, you know, in the the last couple of years mm. that was boiling over with um whether trans women should be allowed in the women's bathrooms and she was saying once you invite um men who think they're women into women's bathrooms you're you're inviting men into women's bathrooms and she's like a survivor of um, sexual abuse abuse. um and so she's just using that mentality to fuel her um well she is she is sort of comparing her trauma as someone who's a cisgendered white female and and awful obviously it goes without saying that what she went through was awful but you cannot then compare your trauma to that of a trans woman especially a, a 
for trans women of color because the whole argument and the whole point of all of this is yes you've got trauma yes you've got trauma but it's different and it's not the same and I just like it makes me so mad I'm gonna need Botox soon because I don't (laughs) understand how how she can even think this and also she's a woman who created this entire world sitting at a freaking coffee shop like she wrote it on paper yeah so how does your mind not expand beyond like to just inclusivity and i mean like we as friends us three we have like inhabited a lot of uh queer spaces yeah so we have a lot of we know a lot of people who are part of this community like you know but guys dumbledore's queer I'm so devastated. She said Dumbledore queer and I loved that so much. That was so brilliant. Yeah. Obviously his rad sense of fashion and how he's just the fucking best. But like, how can you take that away from us, JK? Like, yeah, She created this whole like, um, accidentally, (laughs) I think. Well, it sounds like it was accidentally. It was like a queer haven. Yeah. It was like a space for queer people to live inside these Harry Potter books. And um, she's just taking it away. So we now have to separate the woman from the work. Well, but you can't. Mm. What What do you think about that? As someone who's like a true um, pothead. Oh, pothead or potterhead? Oh, oh no. <laughs> I, please, I did not fuck with weed ever since I ate an entire Yeah, bath. that is so <laughs> true. I do not get me away from that. I am not a pothead. Um, I am a potterhead, for sure. Um, that's the thing. I'm finding it so what's so difficult is I mean I just had a conversation just last weekend with a um, huge MJ fan and I had a big chat with her uh. because she said to me she was like oh, I just I just I don't want to know I don't want to know and she was like I just love his music mm. I said you just you can't condemn you can't condemn this kind of behaviour. You can't be, you know, you can't say Harvey Weinstein, et cetera, or Jeffrey Epstein, et cetera. You can't, but then be like, oh, but I love this person's song, so therefore I'm just going to leave yeah. that in ambiguity. It just doesn't work that way. So for me it's really tricky because obviously, like, it's a lifelong love. And uh, Daniel Radcliffe wrote a really great thing on Twitter about it where he said, you know, um, basically what you said Steph um about how it has been a haven for for queer people to to kind of a vehicle for their escapism and to please like try and not lose that 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 the purity of that world still remains I think though there is a bigger discussion about separating art from artists and I feel like if we are going to condemn R. Kelly if we're going to condemn Michael Jackson if we're going to condemn these people who created great pieces of art and there is absolutely no question that you can't then pick and choose which sides you're on if if you're so steadfast on one and I I feel like I I see that as well and I have to really go okay you know do I do I still support this or or do I have to be not not a good ally but an effective ally and I feel like that's. Yeah. I just read an article on um, trans people who have like Harry Potter mm, tattoos. Yes, I saw that. And th- that was the whole thing. They were confused about whether they that Harry Potter meant so much to them. It was like this uh, safe space, really, for them to 
escape really, the yeah, reality escape. Or, yeah. Like, yeah because i guess like trans people you know they're like magic yeah, they so are. So, going to a world of magic, you know that it's a connection. Yeah, instantly. they can maybe. Recognize. So this whole article was literally like, do we cover up our tats because we don't feel welcome in this utopia anymore, or do we live? Do we remember the good times? It's like, so heartbreaking. Pre- it's heartbreaking yeah. because you yeah. can only, and I understand that I will never understand. But gender identity, you you can't even. I can't even imagine what it feels like to feel like you're not you inhabit something that's not you don't have ownership of or that that's not right or or that that you are you know not in the right body etc and I can't even I even feel like oh am I saying the wrong things now because I'm not sure what the right terminology Mm. is and I I do want to be um absolutely more educated on this but like that alone that is a space that they have inhabited their whole lives so then now to take away what the safe space was that that must be so so devastating i can't so even yeah yeah i mean like the thing is going back to what you were saying about like re r kelly and you mm. know like canceling him whatever that mm. the today the number one song is a song with Nicki minaj and uh takashi or whatever and he's just got out of prison for oh, sexual yeah, yeah, yeah. harassment. Now him and Nicki Minaj have, has released a song. It's like hot, hot, hot. Everyone's yeah. obsessed with that. The music video is freaking saucy. <laughs> um, and so people are like, people are willing to for- yeah, forget. Or forget. it's not even forget or forgive. It's just like most people are like, I like the song or I like the book or I like the movie. I don't want to well, be I don't then, want to too political on this, but I will just maybe yeah. drop in this thought that just look at just look at how we are willing to forget males and how we're yeah. and and forget um males due to you know the their great songs and look at how women are vilified and look mm. at how if there was a woman on a rape charge or who went to prison for a sexual assault etc how willing we would all be and i think that's a broader question um yeah and you know yeah, and again works. that that actually ties into my um i left the party so listen to the c word yeah but, uh, yeah you know what totally. i mean i think it's a very very and you'll peak too soon legit it's all just like feminism but also i feel like we are three people who live like you were saying we are not our our lives and our brains are like not what majority people think yeah like look trump got elected right so like people are are dumb and people are unwilling to broaden their perspectives people are out there getting people yeah yeah what it is it's it's yeah because i think innately human nature is good i think what because uh, a lot of people don't aren't maliciously trying to hurt people i feel like it's mm. more uneducated like people who are uneducated on these these issues because they haven't had any exposure yeah. to any yeah. they you know to anyone trans or to Other anyone queer or yeah. you know and and what you know if we're going to talk about trump like the the way that he got into power was to make make a group um a scapegoat and create fear and then what do you do when there's fear created you present a solution so i feel like in in Mm. this instance it's just people are 
so afraid of what they don't know. And knowledge truly, no, historically, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's power. So the more and that I we just want to take this, this moment to like compare, say, Trump and the, no, this idea of fear um, being the catalyst for greatness or the, the something that brings us all together. Mm-hmm. Just take a look at New Zealand right now mm. where Jacinta is literally leading with kindness. That's her like tagline of the day. Yeah. She's just like, I'm just trying to think about being kind and look how amazing New Zealand is right now. Yeah. Like, I'm sure we're going to go through some hardships mm. in the, in the future, um, you know, unemployment, whatever, all of that stuff. But if we lead with kindness, if people are kind, then we can we can be great again or we can get on top mm. of it we just yeah. got to help I, each other out yeah and i also think don't underestimate the power of your own voice like you might be a person living in a small town in new zealand and you see a petition on facebook and you like click on it and then suddenly the um the policy that the police wanted to bring in to be armed is eradicated and doesn't happen like you've everyone i think we're living in a time where we all have to take responsibility for what we're saying and trying to be better and i yeah i think don't underestimate yourself because even just one conversation with your parent or maybe not a stranger but you know can change (laughs) across a stranger (laughs) (laughs) trans rights are human rights exactly i agree and that's the thing i think um part of my obviously we're in the midst of um the black lives matter movement and everything that's happening with that and part of my kind of activism is definitely not having conversations with people who are like-minded but I'm having a lot of conversations with people that aren't like-minded and I think that that's Mm. where real change happens because when you remove the fear of um of distance and that that person I I don't I can't relate to that person because it's so different if you say hey look where you know here's a different opinion but I know that you respect my opinions on a lot of issues or that we're friends outside of when we talk about anything political I think that's the way to really to really get to someone and I I actually really respect I've I've seen on my Facebook newsfeed um a bunch of people um saying hey if you're hashtagging um all life all lives matter that that whole bullshit if you're hashtagging this I'd love for us to just have a discussion so let me know if you're opposed to what's going on in the world let's just have a chat like please dm me and I feel like that's Mm. amazing because I feel like a lot of people, you know, we're living in cancel culture at the moment. And I actually yeah. feel like cancel culture is redundant because you never change anyone. You actually just reinforce their own views by being a dick, by being on the other mm. side. They go, yeah, see, that person deleted all my comments. So, yeah, I, so I'm almost galvanized to my point. Well, where I think where you, where you have more discussion, that's, that's where you can change people's minds. You hear me, yeah, JK? Totally. All right. Yeah, JK. I have to say that um, in Daniel Radcliffe's tweet, I also love that he ended it Dan. I was like, oh, I love that we're on Dan basis now. You're so on Dan um, basis. He, he linked an article that um, the Trevor Project wrote, and it's a guide to... Um, and the Trevor Project is... Uh, the Trevor Project is a... A not-for-profit charity, charity um, <laughs> in the states for young queer kids. Yeah, to um, a safe space. Yeah, yeah, and so it's like a guide to being um, an ally to transgender and non-binary youth, and it was a really, really interesting read. 
And I just think like stuff like that is applicable over all these kind of conversations that we're having at the moment. Yeah. Um, and trans women are women. Oh, I anyway. know. Trans women are yeah, yeah. the best. Um, I think that's a really great segue into talking about um you, Erin. <laughs> um, and your almost will happen in the future portrayal of Dolly Parton in the nine to five musical, which honestly yeah. the movie was one of the like original uh well, the first one maybe one of the first like real female driven um blockbusters. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Featuring Jane Fonda, Dolly Parton, and Lily Tomlin. Yeah. And Gorgeous. so Erin was supposed to be opening um a few weeks back the Australian the first yeah. Australian um performance yeah of nine to five the musical uh playing the role that dolly Parton played yeah and tell me like how did that all happen (laughs) um (laughs) okay um like what the hell (laughs) i know so uh what's good is that the um the buses with the life-size promo photos of of me and the other uh, leads in the show are still heavily in rotation. So even yesterday <laughs> I bus drove past me with my my own life size dolly picture with Aaron Claire under it. Which what was, does that feel like? Honestly, um I wanna say that I'm more triggered, but it's so <laughs> cool. Like and people don't, yeah, people that is don't so really cool. openly talk about how cool it is. Like, it just, yeah. it's cool. Like, there's a photo of me in a costume for a role that I was really excited to play that I that I got. And my fucking name is on a bus. Like, yeah, that's yeah so that cool. is so cool. Um, when I was living in Melbourne, it was our first time living apart, and you were doing "We Will Rock You" mm. at the time, and literally, she, she was on buses and yeah. she was on posters and she trams, was freaking everywhere, yeah. and it was so cool. It was so yeah, you're on trams. Yeah, that's yes. a level up from bus. Actually. And now <laughs> it's happening again. Uh, there was it's wild. There was literally a life size billboard over the highway for "We Will Rock You," and there was also one at Central Station where it was on the ground. And people would walk all over my face, uh, all the little. <laughs> but I still found it cool. Like they send me videos of them walking on my yeah. face. And I'm like, oh, you, you do that. You shuffle on my schnoz. Like I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, yeah as long as it's not tap on my face. Honestly, pay tap. You can do anything on my face. Just don't tap on it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get that on your t-shirt? Um, yeah, so yeah. I... Uh, <laughs> yeah, there'll be merch after this yeah. episode. <laughs> um, what, this was really funny. So this audition process came... Basically, I have... I mean, every everyone... Every, like, good kind of tale on, on that I've listened to, like, celebrities talking about when they finally got their big break in that part or you know, always kind kind of comes after this like period of struggle, I feel like. And um mm. uh I booked this job. I was heavily in this audition process for another show and it always happens like it, or at least in my experience where you're up for a bunch of things and you basically you're not invested until you know it's down to you and someone else and you try and, and not get heartbroken, but you also have to kind of imagine if I got this job, what it would be like, etc. You know, you kind of have to um, 
constantly deal with the duality of like not caring and, and caring at the same time and whatever the, mm. the right amount of caring is, you know, to do, to do, to do a good audition or to really, really be across something, but also to try and not invest yourself so much. And that's a really, really funny, weird line. But, um, I had just been in this audition process that really was heinous. Um, uh, we final round had to audition in front of each other and it was just really Ugh. it was just it was worst nightmare vibes and some people thrived and that's great i did not thrive i absolutely crashed and burned almost, it sounds like degrading yeah it felt like really that's exactly yeah. how it felt i was like i did this in drama school i stood in a line and had to sing my 16 mm-hmm. bars in front of everyone else yeah. and mm-hmm. i haven't yeah. had to do that since drama school and that you know Getting through a dance call is, you know, dancing in front of a bunch of people and that's cool. But, like, having to sing and do, like, script work and whatever, usually that's not. And it was really, it felt really degrading and I, I it was a really gross experience. And I, I called my agent after that and I was like, I don't ever want to go through that again. So I don't want to put myself through anything like that. So, you know, and I know that you didn't have a heads up, but I just, that's not something that I'm interested in putting myself through for my own sanity. And I've gotten to a place where I'm like, it's not actually worth it. And like my well-being is probably worth more than that. So I was pretty like yuck to auditions. And I remember I got, um, this round was, they were, they were just auditioning for the leads of this show. And it was like an invite kind of vibe. And, uh, of, I remember getting the brief and usually I'd be excited. It's like, oh, cool. What am I doing? But I remember just feeling this overwhelming sense of dread when I got this email because I was like, I just don't want to stand in front of a panel of 12 and feel like a douche right now. Like I just, I feel really shit. So I remember kind of calling my agent and telling her that. And then I, I actually, I messaged my little sister um, who is she's she's definitely way shout more. Out. Oh, yeah, shout, shout out! Shout out! We talked about it like a hundred times. Yeah. Nikki, we love you. Um, but she she is so much more across music theatre than I am. She lives and breathes it. So I messaged her and I said, nine to five. Is it is it good?" And she was like, "Oh yes, I like punish that cast album. Yes, you want to be Megan Hilty's role." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And I was actually up for a yeah. different role. I was actually up for Steph J. Block's role, which is Judy. So it's much more like MT kind of vibe. So I was like, okay, cool. So I learned all the material and I went in and, um, oh God, I've made this mistake so many times you think I'd learn. But um, they they gave me the material and then they also said there's always like oh and also bring in like a pop song of your choosing and I Uh, I loved well I've prepped that many pop songs and have never ever done them that I've got I've kind of gotten to that point where I'm like that's fine so I walked into this um and what was so beautiful about it was because it was a closed audition room there wasn't 30 people waiting outside and I didn't feel like so shit like like I had um the weeks prior so it was really nice there was no one there um I was just waiting outside um and I went in and the musical director Daniel Edmonds who's an absolute genius said to me oh so what did you bring and I just looked at him like are you fucking joking are you kidding me (laughs) 
And I, uh, he was like, so. Like a drink bottle. Yeah, yeah. literally. Like, <laughs> drink bottle. My panic Um Yeah, my past trauma yeah. I brought with me. <laughs> my quick wit that I got from that like, childhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I literally was like, shit. Um, so I had done a, an arrangement of um, Jolene and Nothing Breaks Like a Heart for a student of mine like a few weeks prior. So I was like, oh, this song's country. So I basically mm. did Nothing Breaks Like a Heart and I remember standing there thinking, oh, I've never like acted this pop song. Like what, what is this even about? And I, I did that and then I did all the material and then Daniel gave me um, – the the score and he was like I know I know you read and play and he was like can you actually just have a look at Doralee and that's um that's the character that I end up getting but um because she's it Dolly's character so it's all kind of country pop and I learned later that um he heard a real like country like a true country pop sound when I sung that song but it was just completely random that that happened and um so I had kind of gone in there thinking that I was pitching myself for one thing and basically for the rest of the audition process I had to audition for both characters. So I was in one day where I had to do three three hours, I think, or maybe it was two hours of one character and then come back in the afternoon and do two hours of the other character and put down tapes. And this whole process was we were shooting these tapes, sending it to, to the Broadway creatives who were then making the calls, sending it back. Um and it was um it was really validating. It was also because it was such a small kind of pool. It's it's always that thing where you you don't want it, but you know how close you are, so you kind of have to just keep towing that line. And I just remember being like, you know what? If I really want this job, I've I've got to, like I I've got to stop winging it, and maybe I should actually watch this like watch the bootleg. And I usually don't because I don't like because it's so much more gut wrenching to really invest yourself and then and then get cut. Yeah. So, and I mean, like what I know about your career is that you're someone who constantly gets to like a top three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which you is know? amazing. But to be honest, for my heart and my colon, it would be nice. You know, sometimes you're like, just cut me first round. <laughs> it would be nice to just not be yeah. right for it. Uh, yeah. to, to not go through all of that kind of stuff um but yeah so got down to it and um and I remember doing it and then walking out and just being like this, ugh, that feeling that I felt um especially after we were rocky as well where you're like there's nothing I can do they've got the tapes I've done it and I have to let it go that's good though but yeah yeah, yeah. and then what's the process from you agent calls you you've got the role you sign on the dotted line then you're into photo shoots like this show was press 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 there's a video of you (sighs) with dolly (laughs) like and then so yeah what was that process like literally called you i could have shat myself right then and there (laughs) yes me too but but like i i remember saying to one of the producers like, can I just get that box pop? Like, can I get that clip yeah. and just make that my voicemail? Like Dolly Parton saying, text, hello, yeah. Erin. Like, because, like, she said yeah. my fucking name. And um, obviously your fucking name. I deep dove into into her and, like, her life and all of her back catalogue as well. Like, it's just she is just such an incredible person. So basically signed on the dotted line. It was quite quick because they were like, we need to get you guys into promo straight away. Um, because it was coinciding with um, with Dolly and 
and Dolly's documentary and um, because Australia yeah, was everywhere. Exactly, exactly. So basically yeah. they did the show on Broadway, then it went to the West End, but they rewrote it, um, kind of uh, cut it up, basically made it a lot more slick. Um, then it absolutely decimated the West End. So it, it just did so well. Um, it was one of the only shows that they've had on the West End and also a touring company touring the UK at the same time. Gorgeous. So yeah. we were doing that model of the show. Um, so we had to do all the promo shoots and everything pretty much in the next three weeks. Um, and then we did obviously like the breakfast TV circuit, the media circuit, um, that video got released as the cast announcement. Um, and then I had some meetings with the, um, the Broadway, um, team. So the director, um, the, uh, musical supervisor who's from the West End. Yeah, it was, it was actually quite fast for, for a gig that was starting in March. So yeah, it's actually really interesting to hear about, um, the behind the scenes of how, uh, and these musicals for people who haven't been to a musical in Australia, they are huge mm. they are like the real gig costume sets here like it, they're massive 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 productions mm. that tour around australia and like to think that these things come together in a matter of months yeah it's crazy crazy coming from um community musical theater <laughs> where it literally takes five years honestly to put on um <laughs> In community shows because you're rehearsing, um, you know, two nights a week or whatever. I remember when I was in high school and doing yeah. that kind of stuff and having literally the time of my life. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Formative. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. We have three months. And in the industry, people don't really realise and I feel like, oh, am I giving way too much? But you have three weeks. We have three and a half weeks. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's crazy. So basically, like, for the first time, and again, I obviously jinxed myself with 2020, but usually I like to slide into rehearsals, crack the script, kind of live my dreams. But this time I was like, I really want to take this really seriously. I was having accent and dialect coaching. I had learned all of Act 1 and half of Act 2 you know, memorize before mm. and I mean, cue COVID, but you know, that that's the kind of pressure that rehearsals doing a professional musical are literally the, the, the worst versions of you, you will ever display to the people that love you. Like it is so, <laughs> so much pressure and you disappear for three weeks you just disappear and you are just in a shell of your own stress and then it's like yeah return as a slug and then <laughs> slug away again and then exactly. have to look good for media on opening night and you're like i that, haven't slept in a month that is honestly <laughs> that's the challenge because usually on opening night so you'll have the media call at 11 a.m the morning of opening night so it's not even it, and remember, you've done two weeks of previews. But this makes me sound like I'm complaining. I miss it so much. I'm not complaining, but it's just the way that it, <laughs> the way that it's laid out is like you you have to kind of get your head around the fact that opening night is when all the media are there, all the all the reviewers, etc. You have to do the media call at 11 a.m. Then you just sit around in your own nerves until eight o'clock 
that night, which is opening night. And then somehow you've got like a half an hour window to get out of your sweat drenched clothes and your hair that's been pinned under a wig and then try and look Mm. incredible for all the opening nights. It's it's a real talent for people who can look disheveled. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, especially for the, for the, ladies really it's just yeah. like you've got to like repaint your face or do a whole, your yeah hair, yeah re, like everything needs to be done again re, like take off your your show eyelashes yeah. put on your world eyelashes <laughs> exactly if you're into that yeah. <laughs> yeah um so you've obviously um worked in theater quite a lot mm. but um i know she's a gorgeous singer everyone yeah um you you also love music uh like popular music or and you have uh been lucky enough and talented enough and gorgeous enough to work uh in music mm. can you like tell us a bit about that totally um so what kind of made me realize that music and songwriting and stuff was really one of my big loves in this life was I think um I've never been that person that's like listened to a cast recording or has been unless I'm in the show or I've been like oh god these five shows are on Broadway and a lot of people in MT love it so much and they can tell you you know um what's on Broadway at the time who's starring in whatever and I've never been like that but with with music and with contemporary music and with um I I just I'm obsessed with it it brings me so much joy Mm. um I could tell you who's on a festival lineup in Australia pretty much and I could look at a festival lineup and 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 talk about each artist and know them and and that's when I really realized like wow this is something that no one no one's paying me to do this this isn't part of my job this is part of my joy I guess and that's you know the same conversation I had with you Steph about podcasting and I was like why don't you do you know you love pop culture no one's paying you to be across this you're actually doing it so how how do you make this part of yes. what you're doing happy, happy <laughs> yeah. for people to pay us to do that yes, yeah it's a guy yeah. sponsorship um, yeah speaking of festivals like before COVID you were also supposed mm. to be in your first festival yeah in yeah, yeah, so one of my biggest dreams is to play a festival with all my original music and I basically I did some recording with um, an Australian artist called LDRU um, who was like this electronic yeah, artist. Yeah, he's amazing, <laughs> amazing. Mm, um, yeah. And that was a dream and I, I did this kind of recording with um, him at Sony and then um, I got hit up by this organisation called Listen Up music and they're um, a mental health organization that basically wants to donate a lot of their money to mental health with um within the kind of arts sphere etc and he said hey um you know I've seen you in shows blah 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 I've listened to some some of your recordings and whatever and um we basically liaised from there but um offered a slot to play uh at my first music festival at the factory theater which is a, 
a vent, a music venue that like I, I, you know, I saw Kimbra at, like I was about to play the yeah. same stage as Kimbra, which for me is huge. For us is huge. For us, yeah. It's a miracle. Yeah, it's a, a Kimbra miracle. miracle. And that was the, the last time that I was there, I was actually seeing Kimbra. So I was about to play the main stage there with um all of the originals that I've kind of been writing over the last year. So that's yeah. Well, I really hope that they get released at some point. I um, know. Yeah. Like I've been lucky enough to hear demos of a lot of this stuff, and honestly, guys, it's stunning. It like goosebumps sending. It's real super original. It's I don't know. It's hard to describe what. Uh, it's hard to put you in a box. Because yeah. I'm and I don't even want to, no. and I don't need to because it's 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't love We've boxes. boxes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about boxes. <laughs> Unboxing. I was gonna yeah, say unboxing Aaron Claire. Is that the name of this episode? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my yeah, God, I'm boxing okay. Aaron Claire, uh, runner. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Has this time in um, quarantine, isolation, whatever you want to call it, um, kicked off some inspiration for you creatively or has it stunted it? What's been your vibe? To be honest, um, I really, so I had a whole bunch of demos ready to go um, before this and when the pandemic hit, basically, I'm so lucky. I've been ghostwriting for a bunch of people and um, spending a lot of my time writing for other people, teaching people how to write, etc. So I actually, I was just purely in survival mode. Like, so I was just, uh, just expending all of my creativity on other people, and I was feeling really, really drained. And and after a really long day of like writing for people teaching etc like I just I had nothing for myself and then now coming out of it and knowing I'm going to be fine um, and I'm really lucky that I'm going to be fine but um financially etc I I have started kind of looking more into okay this festival is going to go ahead in January I really want to put some more time and invest more time in myself um because I'm the last person that I like to invest time and care for. Like I, I'll do it for everyone else and and and, and not for myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I played so last week. I did a guest spot on um, the Reservoir Room, which is um, a kind of live streamed performance space, and that was my yeah. first kind of step back into doing that kind of stuff. And then the next night, I did a gig um, at a bar. Um, here in Sydney and I played a bunch of my originals and it sounds so stupid but like it was the only time in the set where everybody just stopped talking Amazing. Um, and that really kind of made me feel like okay what am I doing for myself in for, for this Gorgeous. love that I have yeah. Do you know what that with the um the world the way that it is at the moment and you know borders being closed particularly there is going to be a lot of space for Australian artists for you yeah. to come out because they there's room. There's not all this international mm. uh, clutter going yeah. on at the moment, yeah. especially for live performing. Yeah. Anyway, um, so like I think that's one positive that's come out of this is yeah. that like the world is the world needs you. And <laughs> now there's like there's a platform for you because there's a need. For for uh, 
like Australian artists. There'll be Australian festivals that only Australians will be able to play at. Mm. Yeah, already Falls Festival has just announced that they're having an all Australian lineup this year because they're too That's worried so cool. that um, there'll be. Trans-Tasman yeah, trans- bubble. <laughs> I know. We're fingers crossed for the trans Honestly, bubble. Honestly, as soon as Jacinda allows me in your country without quarantine, I'm hitting you guys up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you um, – what's that feeling like of re- – releasing i guess your original music like did you feel sick before you did it and then you let it out and you felt amazing or what's that kind of mindset well it's funny because you're so much more invested in it than you are when you are playing a role that is written that is thought out that that obviously you nuance as as an actor etc but when it's yours everything is yours it's your voice it's your brain it's your stories it's your music um it, it's your thoughts and production etc so um that's probably that's actually why I haven't released the whole catalog that I've written since I did my first release which is because the first time I had no real idea about what I was doing and I just released the first five songs that I wrote I just released them like it was just like big man boom like done and now They're knowing <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> now, now knowing what I know about the industry and I think that there's uh, I think I'm a lot more cautious and that's why I haven't really really delved into you know I've got a lot more questions around what I want production wise and what's actually going to serve me and and I think I've actually taken a huge step back from I got really really enamored with production I thought oh my god I want to throw everything at it and now with my new stuff um and the feedback that I got from my first release it was just trust your songwriting and and that that is Mm. your vocals and your songwriting is the star of that and then production should be minimal or just you know elements that kind of help lift that up and I really really understand that now yeah I mean your musicality is also like uh Crazy. yeah crazy. yeah yeah and she knows her way around <laughs> a yes. keyboard the, the notes the tracks the, <laughs> yeah, the she knows all of them and the lyrics to your first initial songs are so um thought-provoking and really mature and just like they could be like poems so Thank i guess you. that is you know putting the yeah, exactly what those people said to you. That should be that is the star. Yeah, that I mean the you. demos you've sent me with the like literally you at the piano. Uh, um, I think we thrive. Yeah, do you know what? And mm. a lot. I'll, I'll send you my new demos. Um, oh yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send them to you after. We need <laughs> more wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, and that's that's kind of more the direction that I've gone in, and really, it, I, it just takes a level of trust. You just have to trust your own your own stuff, and that's the thing. Like when you mean it, and when it comes from a from, from a place like people really accepting like not everyone's gonna like it some some producers some people are gonna be like this is a piece of shit but that's okay like because I would rather someone tell me it's a piece of shit and me be like yep I disagree with you because that's my story other than I've tried to create this thing that's not really me and you think it's a piece of shit because it's like yeah mm, me too yeah. Yeah. But, it, but if it's like and you look at the artists that we admire and they're all like this is this is what I love this is what I'm doing and I had a really great um, 
I had a really great friend just say to me, like, I just make music that I want to listen to. And I just went, shit, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. And if I make music that I want to listen to, that maybe some people want to listen to as well, then that's enough. That's amazing. Like, yeah, that's, that's the you know, um, Whoopi Goldberg said that on uh, an episode of Drag Race when they were doing like one woman shows, they were all coming out and doing their like what they thought Whoopi would want to see. And Whoopi was like, are you enjoying yourself? Mm. They say no. And she'd be like, well, why are you doing this? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to see you not enjoying yourself because you think I'm going to enjoy it. Just do something that makes you happy. And like people aren't going to like it. Maybe. Or people are going to love it because it's authentically yeah. you. Yeah. And I think being authentic and um, being vulnerable is something that um, us... We all try to strive we, towards. We are, stri- <laughs> we are striving towards. And, like, you're, yeah. like, inspirational. Yeah. You, like, lift me up every single time I have a chat to you about all that shit. And the thing is that you've you've done that work, you know? And so it's it means a lot when it's coming from, like, someone who has done the work, yeah. can speak from their own experience. And is still doing the work, Yeah, too. totally. Yeah. You have, um, I guess, interacted with a lot of celebs. Yeah. To us, they're celebs. Oh, no, to me, they're celebs. celebs. Oh, my God. You I are legit. You are friends with Magda Zabanski. <laughs> yeah. You are friends with Tim Minchin. I'm going to call you friends. Yeah. Um, there are so nice many people. Today. How do you... Oh, amazing. How is he? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Tim. (laughs) So, like, how, what is that like when you walk into a room and someone's like, hey, Erin, this is Magda? Like, even I was on um, your agent's website last night and there are some names on there. Mm-hmm. And you go to the Christmas party and you're like, how do you feel in a room where you're like, oh my God, hey Magda, hey X, hey Z, like. Well, I'll say when I'm at the what Christmas is that like? party, I've pre-gamed a lot to deal with my own stuff. <laughs> so basically, yeah. I, uh... this is the thing, like I grew up in the Blue Mountains, I, I'm innately starstruck by everybody yeah and I was always like that I was even when I when I went to uni and I found out Tony Knight was taking over our course and you know he taught Kate Blanchett and Sam Worthington and I read through his CV and I was like the only person in my grade who was sitting there like sick about meeting this head head of department. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you've done all this kind of stuff. I've always <laughs> been like that. So walking into my first ever job in Australia and it was me as the lead and Madge Zibatsky playing my evil mum, I felt sick. Like I, you just never, I don't know. I, I know that some people get over it. I never do. Like I, but I kind of love that part of myself because I'm always just like, I know everything that you've ever done. And I'm just trying to not vomit whilst like telling you about it. Yeah. And that's the thing, like it, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing because uh, underneath it all, it's just getting to kind of be an equal with people that you really really admire and it yeah it's humanizing and you realize as well that like these people that everybody sees on a screen or you know mag is such an advocate for for everything l lgbtqti you know and she was so it was i was so proud of her when the whole uh, yes no vote was happening here in australia and it was um marriage equality stuff Mm. but 
she still called me when I was going through a really bad breakup situation at the end of last year. She she went out of her way. She called me to tell me her advice on what to do when facing something like this, etc. And to have people that you respect that much and admire so much see you as an equal and really listen to what you have to say and you have a personal relationship that goes so far outside of your skill set and what you can bring to a rehearsal room or whatever, that's 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 amazing for your own self confidence. Mm. Like the fact that like, you know, I um did a gig and Tim Minchin came to the gig and sat me down and was like, Can you, you know, teach my kids how to do what you do? Like that so cool. So amazing. And it's still because <laughs> right? yeah. I'm also okay. like, yeah. please never ever sh- watch the piano tutorials I'm giving your child because they're probably And I love that because people that I meet that know my own work, it's just like, it's so crazy to me. I get so excited because I know what it's like to admire someone and and that whole like, you know, meeting someone that you idolize, let's say, like that you will always, Mm. always remember if that person gives you the time of day or treats you like or says something to you like, oh, wow, I really love your top or like whatever. You know, you always remember that. I always have. And when if you get to a point where like even three people in a room know who you are or people at stage door or, you know, at my gig last Last week I had someone who had seen Heather's American Psycho, a bunch of things, and she just really, I played lifeboat for her because she was so excited to be there. <laughs> and do you know what I mean? It's like that, that cost me nothing. But yeah, yeah, that's going back to the lead with kindness there. Yeah. Oh, and we all yeah. we have And that. it's a ripple effect too. Yeah. Mm. And we all have- because of one thing you did, you made their day. Exactly. And we all have the ability to do that, you know, whether it's just like having a chat with the barista, you know, like you all have, like, you know what it's like when, when someone enchanting like speaks to you or whatever, Jason, you're the same, you know, you guys, what you're doing with your podcast, it's like, it uplifts people. It makes people feel like they're hanging out with like really amazing people just kicking on. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) And like Jason was saying earlier, you, we know that you have gotten so close and and not gotten so many roles which mm. is all for the better mm. home and away being one of them mm. you where are you were like the pick for so many roles and then didn't get it yeah so when you finally got there how was that experience for you oh. you were on location like tell us about home and away because we amazing. watch it with like <laughs> You know, it's an institution. Yeah. Um, what I, it's an institution. What I loved is is that I got to experience um, being on it like three separate times. So it aired in Australia. Then when I was in New Zealand, it was airing when I was in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and then it aired in the UK after that. So I got like three separate like opening nights. You'll, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um it's also really, uh, it, it was a really good um, flex to like hook up with boys at music festivals when you're like, oh, I'm just on home and away. It's no biggie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, then some of them might move into your house. 
<laughs> Some of them might spend COVID with you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, darling. Hey, yeah. You um, better still be listening. <laughs> so, um, uh, so it was it was really amazing because I had been down to the wire for um, uh, series regular three separate times. Um, you know, Channel Seven they they know who you are, they know what you can do. The producers are really cool, and they basically. They offered me this role, um, which is really awesome as well. Like I didn't have to go through like auditioning or jumping hoops. They were like, look, we've got this mm. role. She's this badass racing car driver, et cetera, and just sent it and said yes or no. And at the time I just finished American Psycho. I was really, really, really in a really great place and I thought um, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know what I should do. And read the scripts. It was it was cool. Um, so yeah, I shot that last year, and it was on location. It was just crazy. Like no one really explains to you at drama school. Kind of, they, they basically teach you about how to get the job, but no one ever really explains to you what the job really entails and what to do afterwards. Mm. And um, it, it's just so much more technical than you'd think. So. All of our stuff was on location. We were shooting on a racetrack. It was all like 6 a.m. It was crazy. Like you don't get that much rehearsal and it is like, you know, 40 crew members on set. And it was so terrifying but also so gratifying at the same time. And I spent the whole shoot doing that whole thing, just going, oh, my God, I'm the worst actor here. Everyone's like, she's terrible, she's terrible, you know, and kind of letting that undo me for a few a few times. But watching it back I was like oh my god like you're just you're you can't be objective about your own work you just can't be um and mm. it was it was really really cool it was I remember like my first shot I was I had to walk through this garage basically wait for um Sophie Dillman who um was is playing Ziggy and basically like I'm I I'm the badass like female race car driver that kind of takes her under her wing. I mean, it's very very real real life, isn't it? But um, um the yeah, whole so real. wait, uh, were you up for the role of Ziggy? Yeah, it was down to me and So, which yeah. is just crazy. It's yeah, because I didn't even realize it was just down to both of us. I thought I really really screwed that audition, but no, apparently it was us two. Um, but uh, yeah. So the whole setup of this shot was she was um uh doing this tie, and she actually had to take this tire off this race car in like 40 seconds or whatever and it was like bzz, bzz, bzz. she was doing this there's all this like dialogue that goes ahead and my one job is to walk out cross through this car find my mark stare into the sun and say my line and I walked <laughs> and she'd done the like one one minute 40 setup of this shot um everyone's there you know everyone's kind of working whatever walk 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 walk, walk. got to my mark and I looked at her and this fog came over my brain and I just went, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot. And it was, I could, I was watching all the faces <sighs> of the crew and they've been standing there since 5.30 a.m. They're looking at me like this, bitch. Like you've got one job, <laughs> learn your fucking life. And I knew them but I was so nervous that I just absolutely dried, like I just choked and I remember walking back and everyone's just kind of trying to be nice. Everyone's like, oh, it's okay, I shot again. But they're also like, please don't fuck this up because we've literally got like 10 minutes mm. to get this shot. And you just don't realise it, it is a machine and it will go whether you are good or not. So it was really, mm. yeah. but but watching so it back and knowing like 
it was all fine. It was so much worse in my head. Like that, it was a really, really brilliant experience to know, like, no matter what your internal dialogue is saying, like, you just can't be objective. Like, you're fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trust yourself. Because also, um, it's really hard to make, like, you know, this is what happens on the racing circuit sound like something that someone would yeah. pay to someone else. So that's the true <laughs> skill of Home and Away is trying to make that the way that they kind of speak sound like a real person would say yeah. that to another person. Like, yes, oh my I God, know, I feel too. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is what it feels like on the racing track. <laughs> yeah, that's of life. Of life. <laughs> so what is next for you? Like, I know we're in a funny time, but yeah what does the next kind of year look like to you or do you not know and is that cool that you don't know <laughs> um so i know so cool so nine to five obviously is going to uh, it's just been postponed so that's going to cool. tour nationally um looking at next year which will be really cool um and in January, the music festival that I was supposed to play this mm. April is going to happen next January. So that's kind of lit a fire onto me to finish all my originals and um, maybe hope for some releases before that if I get over my imposter syndrome. But, um, mm. yeah, so I, I do I do have really cool stuff to look forward to. It's just, you know, our industry, unfortunately, has been one of the worst affected and one of the last that's going to go back so it's kind yeah, of yeah. everyone's really trepidatious on the main stage space because obviously our theaters are like 2,000 3,000 seats so about you know health and safety and all that kind of stuff but I'm just honestly like mm. I'm so excited for that first day of rehearsals like just holding yeah. on for that because that's going to be really exciting you're so lucky that you have done the hard yards like you have done the living out of your car all that kind of stuff not knowing where the next job is going to come from and now you've got you have worked so hard to get yourself to a position where you have you know tutoring students all this stuff that can get you through and you've like solidified your kind of place yeah in the industry where the reservoir room come to you and say hey be on our opening episode like all that kind of stuff so the stars have like aligned so well even for this awful time no i i am you're not like so grateful i am so drugs (laughs) (laughs) and if you are Trans Tasman Bubble? No. Okay. You know, that's the thing too. It's really galvanized. Like I basically like set myself up properly last year and really um set up my you know what I'm doing when I'm not in a show to avoid you know the whole like existential crisis that used to come on a closing night and um Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that my life entirely is music or is using my creativity as a way to help other people or to have an income etc I'm actually one of the really 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 lucky ones and also i i i did all this kind of myself so i i i love yeah, yeah, yeah i'm lucky yeah. but i'm also really smart um 
and that yeah but and you it, you did the hard yards that's the thing it's like every all the celebrities are like i didn't just like pop up overnight no. like i've been doing this for years and years and years before you suddenly are like oh who's this fresh face yeah, yeah. like this face is only fresh because yeah. I've suddenly gotten into brightening serum. Oh my <laughs> god, guys, <laughs> how have I lived my entire life without brightening serum? Again, my little sister bought me this bought me this serum yeah. and now here I am, ageless. You're like Thanks. brighter than you best. <laughs> should we do our mantra? I think we should do our mantra. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Are <laughs> okay, you ready? Honestly, this is, I think this is the first time that we are going to get it correctly. Well, it's the first time Jason's written it down. Yeah, I have written it down. Okay. Okay. Um, 2001, 2008. There ain't a song that we hate. Was there a lag? There was was such a lag. Yeah. We can edit that in post. Thank you, Maddie. Oh yeah, <laughs> and like the true Sopranos we are, it was a canon. Yeah, this this one is dedicated to Puckle Bow. <laughs> so, Erin, <laughs> we want you to add a song to our playlist. Oh, so What's a hot, hot, hot song? Um, oh my gosh, from that era that you want to the remind perfect us era of, of music. It's yes. upsetting that you weren't releasing music then because you could plug yourself right now. I, know. I mean, you still can. To yeah, be that's so yeah. fine. That's so fine. So this one is from 2006. Um, Ooh. You guys remember the song Me and You by Cassie? Uh, Cassie, yes. Oh, my God. So basically it is the most under-energized R&B banger of 2006. <laughs> and I love it so much because... I just recently re- re-remembered. I was like, what is that R&B song that always gets played at, like, a bad club, like, on the D floor when everyone's like, yeah. yes. Yeah. But, um, do, I mean. do, do, um, and it's I'm so good. There. And it's like she was in the right smack fame in the era of, like, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, like, the big vocal divas, and it was all about the big performance. And modern music has really done a tailspin into like the indie space at the moment so what's popular is like under-energized vocals like obviously like speak Mm. like all that yeah selena gomez legit and cassie was a pioneer and before her it is literally like she's taken 17 valley amps and she's like all right let's do a take and it's just like (laughs) yeah cassie's got a secret that she doesn't want anyone to know about (laughs) exactly so me i think worth revisiting sure amazing we'll pop it on our playlist on spotify um i think cassie dated p diddy for ages is that something that's correct i'm pretty sure it is yeah Yeah. you heard it here first yeah (laughs) it's 2020 we finally revealed from 2006 that p diddy and cassie were dating (laughs) well this has been an amazing chat i feel like yeah. I'm grateful. This has to be a recurring thing. I'm grateful to too. be unboxing Erin Clear. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the biggest friend of I'm- God. Best friend. <laughs> you're like the um the matron of the pod or something. <laughs> like you're more than just the friend, you know, pioneer of yeah. the pod. You're an inspiration. Yeah. You're a hustler. Yeah. And you are our best friend. Yeah, and we can't wait to see what happens next. Thanks it's gonna so be much. You guys, amazing. Too. And we can't wait Honestly, to get over there I listen to this every week. 
Yeah, me too. Oh my god, please, Franz Tasman Bubble, let's make this shit happen. I'm ready. I'm ready for opening. Yeah, up. come on, Jacinda. I'm ready for that media wall. I'm ready for those outfits. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent, guys. Follow Erin on Instagram at the Erin Claire twenty two. And at the Erin Claire, can you please give Erin your fucking <laughs> your yeah? Who is the Erin Claire? Yeah. Give up your handle. <laughs> the handle. That's it. Dumb bridal company, like shorts couture bridal. Oh, company. I feel like it's like yeah. who's having weddings at the moment? Give me your handle. No one. <laughs> yeah, and also the Erin Claire um, numbers one. Through 21. <laughs> be kind enough. <laughs> Give it up. No, be, be kind. kind. And with this brightening serum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Forever 22. I believe it. <laughs> hey, do you have um, a hangover to leave us with today? I do. I want it to be way more inspirational. But guys, like quarantine's been really tough. It's been really tough on mental health. It's been really tough just economically, everything. If you're feeling a little shit, I recommend <laughs> Bondi <laughs> Ultra Dark. Yes. Listen, no matter how shit you feel, you whack on a layer of that <laughs> damn tan, and I tell you what, you feel a million bucks. So I just yeah. want to agree with that. Um, that is my eternal hangover. Um, I've just recently yeah. into the Aero Mousse, which is quick drying, and like I'm not sponsored. Like mm. this is just because I love tan. Father, <laughs> I never had, and I'm like you. Like your tan is the one. Welcome to the tanning family. Yeah, we are a tanning family. I literally ultra up last night. Yeah, you don't have a dad, but you do have a tanning family. In your show notes, a picture of tan and be like, brought to you by Eric. Yeah. <laughs> amazing right. thank you erin claire go follow go listen to her music bye, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Bye. Bye.